Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. That's where we're going to be. And as you turn there, I want to ask you these three questions, okay? Now, imagine today, if you are new, it's not hard to imagine these three questions, but if you weren't new today, imagine that you walked into the room and we were asking one another, getting to know each other, and there was three questions that we asked. Who are you? What's your story? And what's the most important purpose of your life? I want you to ask yourself that question. What comes into your mind when you ask yourself this question? Who are you? What's your story of how you become that person? And what's the most important purpose of your life? Now, as we look at God's word today, I really believe that God's word is going to answer those three questions for everyone who's in Christ Jesus, that that God is going to give us the narrative, the story that he's telling and inviting us into. He's going to give us our identity, who we are. This This is declaratively who you are in Christ. And he's going to show us the greatest purpose that he's called us out for, okay? So as you think of those three questions, whatever comes into your mind, so if someone were to ask you, who are you? What's your story? What's the greatest, most important purpose of your life? Whatever comes into your mind, I want you to get that. And now let's let God's word shed light on our souls and instruct us as to the answer of those three questions. Let's start reading in verse nine of chapter two. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, I'm sorry, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that it would speak to us as we bring ourselves before it as hungry citizens of heaven, longing to be instructed from your word. I pray that as we bring our hearts to you, that we would just devour this pure milk of your word, that that you would speak life and that the words that are spoken today, that your Holy Spirit would bring them to life and that you'd make them transformative for our hearts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, as a show of hands, how many of you are exhaustive researchers? You know what I'm talking about? Like you read every single review before you make the purchase. Like you're a walking talk, thank you. You're the walking talking consumer digest for whatever the products are. Like everyone needs this friend in their life when you call and say, hey, look, our refrigerator's broken. Which one should I buy? You know what I'm talking about? I'm the guy that calls the other person. But if you're the person that does the research, thank God for you, okay? And we, we all need that friend in our life that's like, always doing the research for us. Have you guys ever been reading the, um, the reviews on Amazon and, and it says, this is a verified purchase? You know what I'm talking about? And you wonder like, who would take the time to write a review? First of all, who would do that? But who would take the time to write a review who didn't even purchase the product? Like, who, who would do that, right? <laughs> and in every research that you've got three groups of people, you first got the group of people that are just looking for a review. They're just trying to research the product and say, okay, like what is it that's true about this product? What's the best one? And they're just like making a list of people. And then you've got the people that are reviewers, maybe even a verified purchase who's writing the reviews. And then you've got this other group of people that are believers, okay? They're like more than a fan. They 
love the product. Maybe they're not just a fan. They're out to make other fans of the thing. You know, like everybody who believes in the essential oils, look, hey, I'm not dissing it, but they're like a walking apothecary. They walk into the room and it's like the aroma of healing just walked in. You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of people, we need people like that in our life that are believers in what they have. And anytime you've experienced something for yourself and you've experienced something to be good, you become a believer in it and and you begin to express the thing that you've experienced, okay? Now, look, I made fun of the essential oils, but guys have their things too, you know? Like our podcast, you listen to this podcast too? Whatever it is. For all of us, A disciple, Brian said this a couple weeks ago, a disciple is someone who values something enough that four things happen, okay? That we gain a sense of identity from it, that we create community around it, and we express praise towards it, and then we spend our lives for it. So for the last two weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of King Jesus, to be an authentic believer, And those four things are going to happen for anyone who really trusts in Jesus Christ. They're going to gain identity from that relationship. They know who they are based on the knowledge of him. They create community around it. They say, hey, let's do this together. And then they express praise towards it. And that's where we're at today. That we would be a people who not only value King Jesus, but we're redeemed in order that we might worship Jesus. If we're a true believer then the way that that is known is that we express the value that we found in King Jesus. We enjoy something when we delight in it. The natural response to that, I'm paraphrasing Lewis here, the human response is to express the joy that we found in it. And the appropriate response to experiencing the grace of God is offering this personal gift of praise where we proclaim his excellencies. That's what it's saying in verse nine. And so I want to I want to look at what all of this scripture is saying and get to that purpose that we would express and and proclaim his excellencies. And my prayer is that we'd not only see God's goodness, but through seeing who he is, what he's done, and who we are in him, that we would respond by proclaiming and expressing the excellencies of Jesus. See, God is redeeming a people for himself so that we would both enjoy him and express who he is, that we would not just take it in, we'd not be just glad recipients, but we'd be the kind of people who are believers who are saying, we love this king who has shown us mercy. That's the story of redemption. So the foundation of our praise, okay, has two things, and that's what you're going to see in this, two things. First, it has a story. Every one of us that are true believers and expressing that praise, we have a story of redemption, and we have a new identity that's defined by what God has done for us. So a story and an identity. And those two things uh, answer those questions that I asked you earlier. Who are you and what's the story of your life? Once those things are answered, then you'll know this purpose that God has called us all to proclaim who he is in the world and to join him in that. And so I want to start with the redemption story. There are several word pictures in this passage and in the passage before it that explain what's happened in our salvation. And the first of these pictures is in verse 9, that once you were in darkness and he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In all of these word pictures, I want you to notice one thing, that there's a contrast of before and after. And so as you look at them and as I explain them, I want you to think about that threshold that maybe you didn't even know you were crossing, but at some point you walked through and said, hey, I now 
am inside the faith. I now believe this to be true. So all of us at some point, if we are belonging to Jesus, have crossed a threshold of faith where once we had not received mercy, now we have. Once we were in darkness, now we're in light. And so verse nine, the first picture is darkness, spiritual darkness. It's very similar to physical darkness where you don't know where things are. You don't even know what you could bump into and you don't know your way out of it. You ever been in a completely dark place, like dark as a cave? Anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Like where you can't even see your hands in front of you. Recently, I had a, a very close person to me who, who um, accidentally fell in a lake after it was dark, okay? Extremely scary. And they began to sink and they couldn't figure out which way was up. And they're like, and they just struggled until they finally hit the bottom and were able to come up. That's what spiritual darkness is like. You could try going this way and going this way, but until God shines light on where you're at, until there's something solid underneath you, until there's light shown, until God calls us out into his marvelous light, that's what spiritual darkness is like. We're looking around, groping for the exit door, and we can't find it. That's the first thing that it describes. In verse 10, the other thing that it says about our, our story is that once, so once we were in darkness, now we're in light. Once we had not received mercy. Once we had not received mercy. So God is about this work of bringing mercy to his children. It's one of the foundations for how we might express our praise and response to God and his glory. And so um, it, it's that, that moment in our lives where we realize, hey, I'm outside of mercy, okay? So that, again, there's a threshold, and then you receive mercy. For everyone who's in Christ Jesus, there's some point where you recognized, once I had not received mercy, and now I have. Um, it's, it's the realization that before God's holiness and his justice that we stand rightly accused, ashamed, and guilty, condemned, that sinking feeling of guilt. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just, you know, the, the blue lights in the mirror, mirror, rear view mirror, you know what that's like? It's very similar to that when you realize like, oh no, okay, I'm doomed. I have a very close friend who's the safest driver I know. One, uh, one speeding ticket in the entire uh, span of, of driving, okay? And because of the fantastic driving record, uh, this friend goes before the judge and says, hey, listen, it's because somebody else had fed her this line. And she said, hey, I, I want to plead the mercy of the court. And the judge laughed at her and says, we're not in the mercy business. That's not like our, we're in the justice business. And here's, here's the realization for everyone who comes to Christ. Eventually you realize that you're in a world where justice will occur for you, that God has created rules by which he's ordained that the world would work, his design. And all of us have violated those rules. All of us have stand opposed to God and, and opposed to his rules in our life. And so all of us at one point in our journey, one point of our story is that once we were without mercy. And that's an identifying factor for us. And gratefully, God's not like the judge who's like, I'm not in the mercy business. He's in the mercy business, praise God. And any person who's a believer in God in the gospel, anyone who treasures this truth has come to that being a treasure by the experience of their need for it. I'm gonna say that again. Anyone who understands the treasure of God's mercy has come to that being a treasure by understanding their need for his mercy. So you begin to have an awareness of God, his justice, his rule, and you know that according to his rule, you stand condemned. And one of my favorite pictures of this in scripture is John chapter eight. You guys know this story? There's a woman who's caught in the very act of adultery. 
I'm so moved by this story. She's caught in the very act and her accusers bring her before Jesus. And according to the law of Moses, this woman is supposed to be stoned. Do you know this story? (laughs) She's caught in the act. She stands there and they're asking Jesus, what do you think we should do? And Jesus says, is anybody familiar with it? Like, I don't even have a nodding head. I mean, come on. (laughs) A few of you have heard of it. So like, Jesus looks at them and says, let him without sin cast the first stone. And they all begin to drop their stones and walks away. And then he says, this is going to be on the screen. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. And from now on, sin no more. Here's, here's what it looks like for us, to, for this to be our story. That all of us at one point were in darkness All of us were at one point without mercy and this moment comes in where we stand accused and God stands and separates the accused from the accuser and says, neither do I condemn you. All of us, that's our story. It's it's part of our shared identity. It's why when we see a baptism, we're like, yeah. So if you're new to the faith and like you've been for a baptism and the church is like, yes, like from death to life. The reason that we get pumped about it is because all of us have the similar story that once we were without mercy and now we've received mercy. Once we were in darkness, now we've received life. Once we were blind, now we see all of those things. When we hear the testimony of God's work in someone's life, we're saying together, me too. And that's what a person being baptized is saying too. Me too. And before I, 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 uh, before I move on from this, um, I realize that in a room this size and with this many people, the, the thing I talked about, the illustration of the people who are reviewing the products, I realize in a room like this, there's some people who are here just to kind of read the reviews, okay? You're just like, I'm, I'm just here to check out, like, what are these people saying about Jesus? You know what I mean? And then there's some of you that maybe you're like, I think Jesus is this. You've got an opinion, but you might not even be a verified purchase. You know, like you've got an opinion. And we're glad you're here. But for those of us in Christ Jesus, this has become our story. That once I was in darkness, but now I've been delivered into his glorious light, his marvelous light, that once I was without mercy and I've crossed some threshold where Jesus said to me, neither do I condemn you. And he separated our accuser from the accused. And he said, you belong to me. You're my child. And that becomes our story. That becomes the the narrative of our life. It's no longer, well, this is where I'm from. This is what I did. And this is what my parents were like. And this is how I'm wounded. No, it's, it's this is your story. You belong to Jesus. And he's demonstrated his mercy towards you in Christ Jesus. And so there's a before and after narrative of our life. So if you're just here with a friend and you're just like checking out the reviews, I want to invite you to to consider this story. Eventually, all of us that that belong to Jesus, we got caught up in this gospel narrative and we said, me too. I'm in need of God's mercy. I want to cross over this threshold of faith where I'm the recipient, the glad recipient of God's mercy. And that's the invitation to rejoice, to verbally proclaim his excellencies. It has to have this foundation, okay? Okay. You're never going to, like, you know, I'm more, for you that are here, like, first time, I'm normally the guy with the guitar, okay? So, so one of the things, you know, you sometimes hear at times is, like, I'm just here for the talk. I'm not much of a singer, you know what I mean? Well, I get it. 
But here, here's the thing. The foundation for the reason we would raise up our voices is that God has changed our narrative from one about ourselves to one about his glorious grace. And I guarantee you, even if you're tone deaf, your voice of praise is a beautiful sound to God. And the foundation of it is his mercy towards you and the narrative of how he's redeemed you. So we have a redeemed story. The second thing is the reason that we would say, yes, me too, is because collectively we have a, a new redeemed identity. This redeemed identity that we're a new creation, we've been made new. And before I read these descriptions of how God would describe his people in his word, I wanna give you two things. You're, this is an invitation to you to see yourself this way, Okay, it's an invitation to say, hey, this is how we as believers see ourselves. And so if you're outside of that and you're wanting to know what we think of ourselves, this is an invitation to you to see yourself in this profound and unique way. And for those of you who are believers, this is a benediction to you, not like the close of a service benediction. A benediction just literally means good words over you. So have you ever had somebody just speak life into you, like speak good things into you? That's, I would love for us as a church to receive this as a benediction over all of us who believe. Good words. So as I get into this, you're going to see a few things. First, that it's a contrast. It starts out with, but you, and that's in contrast to everyone who's outside the faith. So this is for those who believe. So it's in contrast to that. It's corporate, so it's not just individual. You can't be like, I'm, you know, it starts individually, but the descriptions here that are beautiful, they're happening corporately. So it's part of being part of a, a people of faith, not just me as an individual, I'm really special, okay? You're special because you belong to a group of people that God's redeeming. And then the last thing is, it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. Listen to this description. First, you're, but you, verse nine, are a chosen race. Chosen. That means you didn't pick out God. He chose to set his affections on you as an expression of his greatness and glory and goodness. So it wasn't dependent on whether you were worthy of being picked. It was dependent on him expressing his glorious character towards you. And we gladly receive that from him. Chosen. Race. Second word. We're a chosen race. It means that, that his choosing of us is more important than how we belong to our ethnicity before we're white, black, Jew, Hispanic, Southerner, Northerner, football fan of whichever one you are, no matter whatever your DNA tests say about you, when Christ calls you to be his own, the most important thing about you is he has chosen you for himself the exhortation to this persecuted people is not to fight for their inheritance on earth, but to belong to inheritance that was bigger and greater than any intersection of relationship that they could have. That's the first thing. Then he says, you're a royal priesthood. Royal status, priesthood, ministry. Two pieces of this. First of all, God chooses to put his royal status on everyone that he sets his affection on. So as he calls us to himself, he's saying, you're not just gonna be with me. Like you're part of my family. I'm adopting you as one of my own. It, the status of a king or queen, and at least related to a king or queen, that's how he chooses to describe us as his children. You're royalty to me. 
And it's not established on anything that we did to like suddenly be dubbed royal. No, it's because of what Christ did for us on our behalf. And so he goes and gives us his own name and he makes us into a priesthood. This is mentioned earlier in verse five. And, and a priesthood just means that we're this ministry of God's presence. And as much as we're receiving from him, we're distributing what we've received from him to one another. And so when we know that we're loved, we're able to love. We're not, we're not just receiving God's mercy. We become agents of God's mercy in the world. And so he's making us this royal, a chosen race, a royal priesthood so that he could display his characteristics to each other and to the world through us. And he makes this a holy nation. He's set apart a nation that's higher than anyone you live in. Can you guys imagine if like your passport said citizen of heaven and you were just like passing through? Well, these people, these people that were being persecuted, they were, their citizenship was being questioned because of their allegiance to Jesus. And so in their allegiance to him, he's saying, no, you belong to something that's much better than being a citizen of Rome. It's much better than any status that you can have. You're not alone. You're a people. I'm making you a people. One of my favorite Psalms says that he sets the lonely in families. That's the NIV version, but he sets the desolate into homes. That's the ESV. It says he's putting a group of people together. So all of you that are feeling isolated and alone, here's what I want you to know about God. He's in the business of taking people that don't even belong to their own family and putting them into a family together that belong to him, a people for his own possession so that before they even belong to themselves or to one another, they belong to God. Do you not know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. He's saying, you're mine. That's 1 Corinthians 6. And all of this is good news for all of us that are redeemed. If you're a believer, you're just like, yes, I'm so glad that this is true for me. God is my redeemer. He's my story. He's given me status and office. And these two things of our identity and our story, that being our foundation in our redemption, it's the foundation of our praise, okay? It is the foundation for us proclaiming who God is and what he's done. The most beautiful thing in this world is a local church who's a a, a local manifestation of the, the kingdom of heaven on earth. Our love for one another, our love for God, a group of people, the most beautiful thing you can, <laughs> that I can imagine is this people, God's own possession that knows what God has done for them and we know who we are because of what he's done and then we live those things out, proclaiming his excellencies in the world. And that's the incredible story that we get to live in and an even more incredible identity. And then lastly, from those two things, it gives us this purpose to proclaim his excellencies in the world. See, God is seeking out worshipers who will love him with their whole heart, with their life, their mind, their strength, who belong to him, who are no longer orphans, but belong to his family, adopted in. And he didn't just bring you into his family. He gives you this wonderful purpose in the world. He didn't leave you without purpose. He gives you this identity and purpose that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his wonders light. So when you experience him giving you this new identity and the, the joy that it leads to, the joy always results in praise. And I wanna, uh, I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, and I'm just gonna put the short part up there. It says this, I think we delight to praise what we most what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses it, but completes the enjoyment. It's its appointed consummation. God's not only inviting us to delight in him, but he's, in delight, he's inviting us to express what we delight in. And so our created purpose 
in these foundation of what he's done for us and who we are is to enjoy him and to love him and to express that joy in our praise. And that leads to redeemed worship. That you may, that's what it says in verse nine, you were brought out of darkness into marvelous light that you might proclaim the excellencies of him. He did all these things for us so that you could express who he is and what he's like because that's what he's in the business of doing. He's inviting you to be part of what he's doing that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. That's the highest aim for us, that we would be representatives and a, and a display, an imperfect display at times, but a display of his mercy and grace in the world, that we experience it and express it. And that's the cycle of worship in every believer's heart, that we're receiving from God who he is and what he's like and what he's done. And then we're expressing to him and to the world, this is who he is and what he's like and what he's done. And so we receive and we express. We receive from him and we express. And that incredible invitation for all of us today is to both see and believe, to be these recipients of mercy and then give it to him in praise and say, this is what your life. So I wonder what's at stake if we don't, right? Because for some of us, it's like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I got a new story, got a new name. I got a new identity and all that's good. But what's at stake if we don't live from this place? What's at stake? I really believe our worship is at stake because all of you are worshiping something. It's not a question of if you do, it's what you are worshiping. What are you spending your days for, your lives for? And I'd hate to get to the end of it and say, you know what? That was an awesome career, but it's over like that. That was awesome. What are you you living for? And that's the question I want to ask you. What story are you living in? What story are you living in today? Is it the story of what God has done for you? Or is it a story of what you're doing? And this, this, is, this is not just true for, like, you could be trying to find this, this story of your life in your family, in your marriage, in your parenting. It could be in your career. It could be in your, whatever it is, you are trying to find identity from the story that you're living in. And so whatever it is, I'm inviting you to find your identity, to find who you are and what God's called you to in the story of what he's done for us. And this can also be true in ministry. You know this? Like, hey, we got a big week this right week. About to move into a new building. That's awesome. And it's an exciting week, legitimately an exciting week. And I want I was reading this story this past week and it it really struck me from Luke chapter 10. Now, before I, before I put it on the screen, let me set it up like this, okay? Jesus has his important 12 disciples, and then he's got 72 people that are like following him around from city to city. And he's getting towards the end of his ministry, and he's trained them up, and he's about to send them out. And he sends out the 72, two by two, and they're all going, and they're like doing ministry in Jesus' name. They're healing people. They're casting out demons. It's amazing. And the peop- these, these 72, they come back to Jesus, and this is what they say in Luke chapter 10. Verses 17 through 20, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Can you imagine how exciting? Like they come back to Jesus and they're like, we told those demons what to do. It was amazing. And Jesus, completely unimpressed, looks back to them and he says this. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw some pretty impressive things in the ancient of days here, okay? 
Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Pretty impressive, right? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here's, here's the invitation of the gospel narrative. Don't try to find your story or your significance in how many likes you get or how successful you are or how much you do for the name of Jesus season or how big our spaces or how many are reached. Listen, if we try to find our significance in any of those things, Jesus is gonna be, look, I've seen Satan fall from heaven. Like, it's just not that impressive to me. Don't rejoice in these amazing things. And look, it's pretty amazing. Like, look, I'd love to be like, demon, do this, do that. Like, that's amazing. That's impressive. But Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the matter that your, your life has been redeemed. Don't rejoice in what you've accomplished. Rejoice in what I've accomplished for you. That's the invitation of the gospel that we wouldn't get caught up in what we might do or, or how well our kids turn out or like how all those things that we could be really provoked to be proud of in this life. Jesus is just unimpressed and he's saying, this is what I'm giving you to rejoice in and it will not change because it's something I've done, not something you could do for yourself. So who are you? What's the story? What's your identity? What's at stake? Many of you look to your, maybe you look to your family or friends or work or some community that, that their opinion, whoever's opinion is most important to you, you just identify it. If it's anyone but Jesus, it is going to leave you wanting. And here's what I want you to know. Like some of you, you're forming a, a sense of identity based on what other people think of you. Okay, guilty. Guilty, myself. And maybe even what you think God thinks of you is off. If I were to ask you, like, what do you think God thinks of you? What do you think he thinks of you? When he thinks about you, put your name in the blank, what does he think about you? And if you're finding your identity in anything else, if you're gut level honest, you'll be like, you know what? I think God's disappointed in me. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. I'm impatient with my family. I'm tempted. I'm ashamed of my past. I've made a mess of myself financially. All those lists of things that you think, this is probably what God thinks of me. Here's what I want you to hear. In Christ, this is what he thinks of you. Chosen race royal priesthood, a holy nation for my own possession that I would let you declare how great I am to the world. That's the benediction that he declares over everyone whose faith is in Christ Jesus. That's the identity that he invites you to belong to. So what's most excellent to you? <laughs> that identity, when that transforms us from the inside out, we begin to express the most excellent thing is not me. It's not this cool thing that I captured on Instagram. It's not any of these things. It's what God has done on my behalf. And now I get to express his excellence, not just through my praise, which I, I'm really into praise, okay? I love that. We should sing and sing loud and off key and I don't care, just sing. We should express his excellency, but not just through songs, it's so much more than that. 
every day through our work, through our life, through our jobs, through the way that we use hobbies for God's kingdom and glory, whatever it is, that we would live a life that says, our God is excellent. And the most excellent thing about me isn't what I could do, but what he's done for me. It's his story, not my own. So what's most excellent to you? I just wanna challenge you. If it's other people's approval, it's not a good place. If it's comfort, like where you just try to avoid all types of discomfort, (laughs) if it's control where you don't wanna lose how you thought things would work out, all of those things are fleeting and they will disappoint you. What story are you living in? What's most excellent to you? And maybe you've not received mercy. I wanna invite you today as we transition to these tables. Just a moment, we're gonna do that. Some of you never, you're you're just like reading the reviews. You're just here because somebody drug you here. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. My invitation to you is to partake of Jesus Christ, to be one of those people whose story is, once I had not received mercy, but Jesus stepped in and said, neither do I condemn you. And he separates you from the accuser, from the accused, and he said, neither do I condemn you. If that's your story today, I want to welcome you to these tables to the right and to the left of the stage. Every week we take communion because we believe that in it, we're declaring what Christ has done on our behalf that we could not do for ourselves. We're declaring a better story than we could make on our own. So I wanna welcome you to that. If you wanna talk to someone about that threshold to faith where you wanna put your trust in Jesus Christ, I would love to talk to you about it. I'll be in the back. Let's pray together and let's ask God to make us sure of who we are, what he's done for us and what he's called us to. Lord, thank you for this word today. I pray that you bless it, seal it in our hearts and help us to live faithfully according to it. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.